Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. I know that so many people order boot camps and get involved in so many things, but then never actually do something with it. And Sean and I have always just, let's go ahead and figure it out. Yeah, you might fail, but that's how you learn as well. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guests, Sean and Joni Wolfswinkle. Sean and Joni are joining us from Houston, Texas. They have over 20 years of real estate investing experience and their portfolio consists of over 50 units and they have done over 1600 flips. Sean and Joni, before we get started, how are you today? Doing well. Thank you so much for having us on. And best ever listeners, this is a husband and wife team. So Let's find out what they're all about. If you guys can give us a little bit more about your background and tell us what you're focused on now. I can get started. So Joni and I are high school sweethearts. We built the business together. We've been working for 21 years together. So we probably have a lot of advice for other couples out there that are looking to work together. We've learned how it worked and make it work and, and still keep a successful marriage with kids and all that. But we started when we were in college, much like a lot of people, we saw a late night infomercial. And I used the money that my parents had given me to go to college, and I spent that on boot camps and seminars. So that's how I got my start. But Joni and I had a different college experience. We went to class in the morning, but then in the afternoons, we would go and buy houses, check on our job sites, and work our flips. So when we graduated, we went full-time into real estate, and that's all we've ever done. And in 2010, a lot of the country had felt a market shift and just went through all that and We were in Texas at the time, and Texas was kind of the last market to feel a down or downturn, and then it rebounded really quickly. But we got into a niche of selling turnkey rental real estate to investors, mainly out of California, and we started our management company at that time. We just were approached by a lot of investors and said, hey, I want to build a portfolio similar to you guys, but I don't want to have to source properties, rehab them, manage them. And I might live in California, but I want to buy in Texas where it makes sense. So we started our management company at that time and started all the properties we started 
buying and rehabbing, we started placing tenants in them and then selling them as turnkey rental properties to investors. So today, that's the bulk of what we do is turnkey and property management. And Joni runs the property management company. And a lot of what you'll see from us today is new construction. So in 2015, we started building homes to rent. So we do about 75 build to rent homes, mainly duplexes in the Houston market, particularly our secondary markets, Albuquerque, New Mexico, but our main inventory comes out of Houston. So we manage about 1500 doors. Yeah. Yeah, We manage about 1500 doors between the two markets. And when we got started in property management, we knew nothing about it. It's kind of why we actually decided to go the franchise model. We actually own two franchises. Real Property Management Albuquerque and Real Property Management Preferred. So it has a systems in place and we didn't have to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, since we already had a pretty big investment company. All right. What a story. What did you guys go to college for? Was it real estate? It's a good question. So I went for four years of mechanical engineering. In my senior year, I said, there's no way I'm going to be an engineer. So I got a degree in entrepreneurial studies. So I actually used my degree. <laughs> Uh, Joni, you did not go to school for something you're using. No, I did not. Actually, I started in the nursing program at the University of New Mexico and quickly figured out that it's not what I wanted to do. Sean and I actually, we were in college. We were actually flipping houses or wholesaling houses really to get by to pay for our college. And we had so much fun doing it. I think we had two days a week off. So we were driving for dollars and putting up bandit signs and tying up properties. And we just loved it. And at that point, I was like, what am I doing? I don't want to be a nurse. So I actually got my real estate license in college. So I've had it since college. So I've been a broker now for about 17, 18 years. And what was that infomercial that changed the course of your trajectory? Russ Whitney, if you remember going back to those days. You know, back in my day, it was Carlton Sheets. Yeah. so He was like the original real estate commercial guy. And he was out then, but Russ Whitney was the main educator at that time and had all the boot camps and summers. And so the big takeaway from that is one of the packages we bought included a mentorship. So we had a guy come to our market out of Detroit, Michigan is where he was located out of. And he spent a week with us in our market, but he held our hand. We did about five deals with him and partnered with him after he had left. And I think somebody that's just getting started, that's key. Having that mentorship and somebody that will take you along aside them and they'll help you. And if you need help financially, they'll help you there, like as far as covering money for the deal or whatever. But he really made a big impact on that initial jumpstart for us. We were 19 years old. So, I mean, we didn't have any money or credit. Yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest part of our success was that mentor. And it was really in each stage of our career, because when we first had our mentor, we had him for about 10 years. And then we jumped into pre-foreclosure investing and we had another mentor that walked us through that. So Sean and I actually knocked on pre-foreclosure doors for about a decade. And that was hands-on training right there, getting out of your comfort zone and conquering your fears, all of that. And our mentor was alongside us for a while in the pre-foreclosure industry. Jody, were you physically knocking on doors? I was physically knocking on doors. Tell me about that. She's one <laughs> yeah. of the best at it. We look very innocent and, <laughs> and young. So we're non-threatening when we come to your door. <laughs> but go ahead, Jody. If somebody's about to go through foreclosure, they're not in a great place. Correct. And then here you are knocking on their door. 
I'm curious, how does that go? So I will tell you the very first door I knocked on in Texas. So my mentor, he's giving me some tips and hyping me up and I'm scared. I'm like, what am I going to say? How am I going to approach them? So I go all in. So the first door we knocked on, there's this tall, big guy. He's probably six, three, six, four. 300 pounds. And he looks at me and I'm telling him, I'm here to help you with your house. Is there anything I can do to help you? And he's looking at me, what do you mean? And I go into, well, there is a notice at the courthouse that your house is about to go to auction. And we want to see if we can help you before it's too late. Well, he looks at me and he says, Joni, you have the audacity to come knocking on my door. Then he slams the door. I thought the door was going to shatter in a million pieces. And I looked at Sean, I'm like, oh my gosh, is is this what it really is like? So I call my mentor and he's like, look, Joni, you might get a thousand no's before you get a yes. So keep at it. Don't give up. So that's what we did. We knocked on probably about a hundred doors a week and we kept at it until we were able to help somebody. And then your goal was going to be to wholesale the property get the existing person out from underneath their loan? So we actually would take it over. So we did a lot of subject twos and we would actually rehab the properties and sell them retail at that time. Okay. So 17 years ago, you guys were kind of pioneers in doing this because it's not like it is today. What advice would you give to that college student today that's 19, 20 years old saying it was a different time. It was easier back then. There wasn't as much competition. I would still stay start with education. I think in today's market, you still have to be educated. So I would seek education. I would seek a mentor. And then I would seek, to be honest, if you're just coming out of college, I might even get a job at a real estate firm or real estate investment company and learn from them. I think even if it's an internship, that's where I would start because you're going to need to gain the resources. In our company, we have a lot of interns that work during the summer, college graduates, people in college. And I think it's the best way to learn the business, learn the marketing and learn what it takes. And something we do within our company and part of our culture is every two weeks, we have a lunch and learn where I teach people how to invest in real estate. So if you can get involved in a company like that, where they want to see you succeed, they want to see you do deals on the side, you can learn a ton while you're working, while you're earning an income. I think that's a great place to start. And 1,600 flips, that is an astronomical number. Yeah. I'm assuming you had all the systems and teams in place. Tell me how you got your rise to doing 1,600 flips. Started with just one. (laughs) And then we built from there. But it started from one. Then we got, I think, up to 15 in a year. We've been at this for 21 years. So I imagine I'd be doing hundreds of flips after three years in this business. And I probably didn't get to over 100 flips in a year it's probably at least 10 years into the business or, or longer. It takes time to build that kind of system and business and knowledge. And I just didn't know what I didn't know at the time. And every level has different challenges. As you grow to our size, we might not be in the day-to-day managing the rehabs, managing the acquisitions and flips and the sales, but we're managing people. So anymore today, it's about building systems and processes for the people or putting in the right people in the right seats and working on that culture. Cause that's more important. And we have 52 employees today. So it's just a different animal as you grow, but it starts with just getting that first one under your belt and then growing from there. 
What's an example of a deal that you lost money on and what did you learn from it? Probably the biggest one is a learning lesson. Joni was seven months pregnant with our first child. We got sued. We did a high-end flip in a really up-and-coming area and we pretty much took it down to studs and then we built it. And um, the um, plumber that had replaced all the plumbing in the home, there was a certain section of piping he couldn't get to because the rafters were really narrow. So he just worked around it and left it. Well, of course, these people went to Europe on a vacation. That piece of piping busted and flooded their entire kitchen and cabinetry and everything that we had just done. So they sued us because we were supposed to have placed all new plumbing. Well, of course, the plumber by this time was out of business. We couldn't get a hold of him. So I think we lost probably like $43,000 on that deal between the attorneys and settling the lawsuit. And then Joni was pregnant. So that's not a good time to go through something like that. And insurance didn't cover that? No, they didn't because they wanted us to countersue the plumber, but then he was already out of business. So we've had so many, but another good one too was we thought we had hit a home run on a deal in Albuquerque. This was when we were heavily involved in the pre-foreclosure market. So this house had two mortgages on it. The first mortgage was with Bank of America. The second was with a small community bank. We went to the small community bank and said, hey, this is going to be foreclosed on by Bank of America. We need you to take a discount on the second. And they're like, no, we're not going to do it. It's going to go to auction. We'll get our money back. That is what they thought. So we pushed and, and tried to negotiate. They wouldn't take any reduction in their principal balance. So we went to Bank of America and Bank of America actually agreed to sell us the note, which they don't do. They usually sell large packages of notes. They sold us this one individual note. And there was a reason because we didn't know what we didn't know. So we bought this. Uh, uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh. For, we bought this note for fifty thousand dollars. We're like, man, we hit a home run. The home's worth like one hundred and fifty. We're going to just pay an attorney three thousand and foreclose on the home, wipe out that second, and then do the rehab and sell it. Well, we did all that. We foreclosed, wiped out the second. What we didn't know was that fifteen hundred square feet of the house was built on the property line in the building easement, the side setback. So it was built without permits and not up to code. So when we tried to go get a variance with the city, they're like, no, we didn't agree to let you guys build or the prior owner. So they made us knock down 1,500 square feet of the home. So if you haven't watched that before, but going and seeing a backhoe and everything, just start tearing down 1,500 square feet of property, it hurts. I think we lost 60 grand on that deal, putting it all back together and and doing everything. It was supposed to be The first lesson for our listeners here, there was actually a code violation on the property was on the condemned list well we had no clue to check that so if we would have just checked that at the beginning (laughs) then we would have solved that problem so we didn't find out until we went to try to sell the property like what do you mean there's a violation on the property and the property was on the condemned list we'll get back to the show in just two minutes but first some sponsors i'm confident you'll find value in learning more about as your portfolio grows you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future Realestateaccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget-to-actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. 
The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. I would imagine you exhausted every option to not knock that down. Oh, yes. And there was no getting around it. We actually went in front of the board. Both of us were really young going in front of the board. Didn't know what we were talking about to try to get it approved by the board. And no. Wow. You guys mentioned mentors earlier. Do you still use a mentor or a coach? At different levels, we're part of a lot of mastermind groups. We're part of the Collective Genius, and I think that's been a great mastermind for us or our level. It's like-minded people. And then we've, over the years, with 50-some employees, we've implemented Scaling Up in our organization. That's a book that we recommend, but we hired a Scaling Up coach to coach us for a year, implementing that and getting that all set up. So I think, yes, to answer your question, we still use mentor, just a different type. And now you're building homes to rent, mostly duplexes? That's correct. Yeah. How did you go from wholesaling to fix and flips to building? It was wholesaling initially in college to fix and flips for probably 15 years. And then since 2015, when the market changed, it was just getting so competitive. We were having trouble getting enough inventory for our turnkey business. So we started to notice our clients didn't want any deferred maintenance. They want to have a lot of headaches. So they were looking for new construction. And so we started seeing that we could acquire lots at the time when we first started, we could acquire lots for five to $25,000 and build a duplex. Our duplexes are nice and large and there's no maintenance. There's builder warranties. They're less headaches. They're better for our management company. So again, if you know something with Jonah and I is that we'll take on endeavors and just kind of jump right in. And we've learned a lot from our mistakes. We hired project managers in-house and we became the builders, but we had a lot of learning lessons there too. You can't use the same contractors and crews for new construction as you do remodels. They're total different animals. And we had to learn that. We pre-sold a lot of homes before we truly had our numbers dialed in. So Did you try to... Sorry to cut you off. Did you try to use your rehab crews to build new houses? For certain aspects of it, yeah. And then we learned that especially the guys that just come in, they're quicker, they're faster, they're cheaper, because they're just used to doing new construction. But the biggest thing that we learned is we would buy lots that we couldn't get water because of whatever reason. Or Or you couldn't build on the lots. Or you couldn't build on the lot. We bought a couple in a flood zone, and we're like, well, that's not a big deal. We'll just put up some dirt make it higher, but there's a lot more to it than all of that. 
So you get into things that you just don't know what you don't know. So in the beginning, we learned a lot, uh, what types of lots work best. We try to do all our due diligence ahead of time better so that we don't make mistakes and get in a project where it becomes a long-term rental for 29, those kind of mistakes. And, and then just having your numbers dialed in, especially in the last 12 months, that's been a challenge. Even though we had our new construction dialed into the penny, well, the pandemic totally changed all that as far as the lumber going through the roof, having shortages of materials and trying to source that. So that's always been a challenge, but if you've got a good business model and you've got good people, you can overcome a lot of those challenges. Joni, it sounds like historically you guys just shoot first and figure it out later, which is great. I do the same thing. Are you still doing that with your new ventures because you have some commercial property, you've got storage units? Is it the same mindset? Let's get after it and figure it out. It's the same mindset. Sean and I have multiple streams of income, not just the real estate. We own a plumbing company. We also own a VA company where we service remote team members to clients. So yeah, and I just finished writing a book myself, which is up here, The Choice is Yours, Balancing Success as a Wife, Mom, and Entrepreneur. It's kind of my give back to empower women that, yeah, they can also have it all, giving them tips and tricks on how to be successful. And you guys are vertically integrating. Is it because you don't want to see cash go into this whole other realm and you think you can capitalize on those profits? Yeah, I think it's it. I think we see opportunity and we can capitalize on it. We also believe in having multiple streams of income because there's different seasons to different businesses. And as the markets shift, one great thing about COVID was we went two months without sales because everybody panicked a little bit at the very beginning. Then it took off and it went crazy in real estate. But there's a couple of months with no sales. But yet plumbing, because everybody was home, plumbing took off. Our plumbing company grew rapidly. So to have those, when things happen, or at some point, we're going to go through another market cycle. Joni and I went through seven and eight as investors. So we know there's a lot can change and people don't realize how quickly it can change. So when you have multiple streams of income, it helps you weather those storms a lot better in, in certain businesses. So we just believe. I love that philosophy. And we have the luxury of having lived through 2008, 2009. Yeah. What advice would you give people that are highly leveraged all in and have not experienced anything other than a booming economy? Number one is have a lot of cash reserves because you're going to need it to outpace those and be very careful with leverage. I think that is the biggest thing. I have so many friends that aren't in business today. And the one reason that Joni and I still survived is that we didn't take those major risks like they were doing. Now, at the time, they were making more money than we were per deal. They were making a lot more. They bought higher end properties. They bought properties in other states and they were making tons of money. And Joni and I would just be making our 20 or 25,000 per house. And it looked like silly, but at the same time, we weathered through that storm because we didn't take a lot of risk. So when we did go through the market cycle, we had the ability to hold on to certain rentals because we had longer term debt on it. So we could service it longer. We weren't over leveraged. So even if there was a small correction in the price, we still weren't overvalued. And then we just had cash reserves to weather where we didn't have to change our lifestyle. And, and actually, we were able to capitalize on a lot at that time because there was opportunity. Joni, you mentioned that a lot of your investors are from California. So you're building, managing properties for them. How did you 
start with attracting investors from the West Coast? We were working with a lot of aggregators who would mentor investors in those markets. And gradually they gravitated towards us because we were kind of like a one-stop shop. Because there's a lot of turnkey providers out there, but one niche that we had was that we had the property management in-house. So we are in the customer service business and and being an out-of-state investor, that's important to them to know that they have a trusted property management team on the ground that's looking out for them. What are some hard lessons you've learned with interacting with investors I love working with investors, number one, because they have that mindset that it is an investment property and there is going to be maintenance stuff that comes up and issues that arise. Sometimes you get those investors who don't want to put any money into the property and have those unrealistic expectations. And you have to work with those clients and teach them and train them that, hey, this is an investment and you're going to have to put some money into the property. And how about communicating with investors when things are not going well? We actually run our company a little different. We actually have customer service advisors. So our customer service advisors, something that they do is they actually contact the owner once a month just to check in with them, whether there's something going on or not, they're there for them. And it's all about communication with them. Good news, bad news, whatever. Our team knows that it's crucial that we communicate with our investors. And this is an actual phone call to the investor. Right. I it's love very, that. We're very versus big on just, yeah, communication. Yeah, um, versus a monthly email. Yeah. That's great. Do you have investors that don't want the phone call? They just want the email? You do get those. And I still let my customer service team know that even though they don't want those, you still try to push for that because we want to go over their portfolio and strategize with them on what we could do differently. And we want them to be involved in the process as well. What kind of returns can you offer investors? Our returns are anywhere in the 7 to 8% cash on cash returns. And is that with a sale or is that just a long-term hold? No, that's not with the sale. That's just a long-term hold. Okay. And what's the typical hold period? Our average client somewhere between five to 10 years. And the client determines when you sell the property? Yes. And then do you try to find a new buyer yourself that you can manage? We actually have a program called our Preferred Rentals Program. So when we have an investor who is looking to get out, we actually will sell it to our huge investor database and try to retain that management. And just keep it all in house. Mm-hmm. Yep. The storage units. Whose idea was that? (laughs) It was actually one of those deals that came through. It's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we had purchased just a single family property from, I think out of probate, wasn't it, Sean? Yeah, it was a probate. Uh, And they loved us and they loved what we were doing and trusted us. And they came to us and said, hey, we have a self-storage also in Albuquerque. Would you like to purchase it? And at the time we're like, well, we can move our management company into the self-storage complex and manage that. And we can all be in that same complex. So we have our plumbing company, our management company in there, and we have the storage units. So basically knowing you, the answer is always yes. (laughs) (laughs) We have a podcast called insidethewolfsden.com. And that was our most recent podcast was we got to say no a lot more. One of the big things was during the pandemic, we started the plumbing company and we started the VA company. And over the last 18 months, Joni and I have exhausted ourselves. We've worked really hard. She wrote the book. We've just done so many things and we've said, hey, we need to chill and just say 
no more often at certain times because there's a limit. We're overachievers, but I think sometimes you can take on too much. And that's something for listeners and some I've learned and watched people over the years. Be careful because the more success you have, there's more opportunities that are going to be presented to you. So be very cautious of what you say yes to and chasing those shiny objects because it can take you from your core business that you do very well, especially when you're having a lot of success. So make sure there's a lot of synergy and something that won't deter you or take away from your core business and that you have the capacity to be able to do it. It makes sense. As you also might miss on other opportunities because you took on something that just didn't make sense for you. On that topic, what's the biggest challenge being a husband and wife team? We've been doing it for so long, but I think just knowing your roles and Sean, he handles the turnkey construction side of the business. I don't play around in that. That's his baby. And I do property management. So we found that we got to just find our roles and that's how it's worked for us. Do you evaluate new deals together? Yeah. I think we run everything still by each other. I think the biggest thing as a husband and wife, you got to learn to shut it off too at certain times, especially for your family and your marriage. We travel a lot. So we take a lot of time away and her and I take a lot of trips together, just her and I to connect. But I would recommend being mindful of turning your phone off after six o'clock, maybe taking off Fridays if you can afford to. So you're going to need some downtime where you shut off everything and work on each other. And also if you have kids and family, spend time with them because you can talk business or shop 24 seven. Great advice. I want to circle back to all of your entities, your turnkey rentals. What kind of legal structure do you have in place for those? Is each house just an LLC? So the buy and sell business, as far as the turnkey, all the houses we build and all that, that's just done through one LLC. Let's focus on that. Yeah. So if I am a California investor, I want to buy one single duplex mm-hmm. that you guys manage. Mm-hmm. What kind of structure is in place for that? So they just want to buy one duplex. Uh, majority of our clients are typically using Fannie or Freddie funds to purchase. They're trying to use their 10 available loans to including their personal residence to buy their properties. So that's why the duplexes make a lot of sense for them because they can get two units for one loan. So in those cases, they're going to have to close on the house in their name because Fannie and Freddie is going to be financing them, not their LLC, or also going to get a commercial loan. Now they can get the property finance like season or let it sit there because more than likely their loan is going to be resold. So I'm not an attorney or a CPA, so always seek a legal advice, but maybe six months after they close on the property, then they can move it to an LLC for asset protection. If it's your first property, unless you have a ton of assets, I don't think they need to run out and, and open an LLC right away. Get a deal first under your belt, at least get one purchase before you go and set up the LLC and then you can transfer that building over afterwards. But I do at some point, recommend taking them out of your personal name and putting them into an LLC. Okay. So this isn't set up as a fund and have you considered setting up a fund? Yes, but I sell off individual properties to individual investors. So we have never done a fund just for the turnkey. We have a small fund for our private investors that fund our operation as far as lending to us for the turnkey. So that's how we pay for building the properties and the ones that we build before they get sold to an investor. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Go for it, Johnny. (laughs) And put me on the spot. If somebody wants to get started, going back to the education, yeah, educate yourself, but don't overly educate yourself. 
I know that so many people order boot camps and get involved in so many things, but then never actually do something with it. And Sean and I have always just, let's go ahead and figure it out. Yeah, you might fail, but that's how you learn as well. Awesome. Are you guys ready for the lightning round? Go for it. All right. So this is the first husband and wife team that I've interviewed. I'm going to ask each of you this question. (laughs) Tony, we'll start with you. What is the best ever book you've recently read? I have my three up here, but one of my tops is Never Lose a Customer Again by Joey Coleman. And I love this book. And we're in the customer service business. So it's kind of like my Bible and what I preach on to my team, because we want to try to provide that best customer experience that we can. Sean? I'm going to say mine is Simple Numbers 2.0 Rules for Smart Scaling. It's by Greg Crabtree. It's the one I just read that I think is phenomenal. It's really knowing the numbers of your business. Jody, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I talked about my book that I just wrote. So really, I give back to other women in the industry and really empowering them to go and be successful and do the things that they wouldn't normally do because us women are hard on ourselves. We have a lot of moving parts, whether it's being a parent and working full time or being an entrepreneur, it's a lot. So I give back by empowering other women. Sean, you're up. Some organizations that we really are big on, we support Camp Hope here locally. We support veterans with post-traumatic stress syndrome and get them back into the workforce and get them back into normal life again. So we donate a lot to them and our whole team. We're volunteering next week with Camp Hope as far as we're painting, we're laying sod at our facilities. So as an organization, we give back a lot to them. So veterans, I would say, is what we're giving back a lot. And how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? I would say check out our, our podcast, www.insidethewolfsden.com. And we're also on all the major podcast channels. You can check us out at seanandjoniwolfswinkle.com. And we're all on all major social media platforms. Joni, do you have any? Yep. SeanandJoniWolfswinkle.com is our main website and on social as well. Well, Sean and Joni, thank you so much for sharing your story with the best ever listeners. It's high school sweethearts to an infomercial that changed the course of your life. Do you guys still have that course, by the way? Is it framed somewhere? (laughs) It's not framed, but we still have it. It was uh, probably audio tapes, cassettes. Yes, they are. Back in the day, that's awesome that you kept that. Again, thank you for sharing your story, how you've scaled this incredible business. And I love your attitude where you just shoot first, ask questions later. And thanks for sharing all of your hard lessons with us. Best ever listeners, thanks for joining us. Have a best ever day. Thank you. Thank you.